Well, Mark Twain said of friendship, um, no? Oh, yes, excellent. Brilliant. Uh, he said of friendship that um, there are three things essential for a happy life. One is good friends, one is good books, and the other is a sleepy conscience. Now, I think we'd agree with certainly the first two, at least, of those. C.S. Lewis said that friendships are not, not necessary for survival, like oxygen or water is, but it, is, uh, it adds value to surviving. Uh, having friends, having friendships, makes life so much richer than it would be otherwise. In fact, studies have been done of the health benefits of having friends. Do you know about this? Uh, for instance, never mind mental health, um, the less friends you have, apparently the more nasal mucus you produce and the more prone you are to colds. So being unfriendly really does make you snottier, doesn't it? <laughs> but we also know, don't we, that friends can be hard to find. Uh, you know, many of us may experience that, may feel quite lonely, quite isolated. For others of us, friendship's a difficult thing. We've had friends that we've uh, had from the past, but something went wrong, and now they've become distant or even enemies instead of friends. Friendship's difficult. So what is friendship? Well, C.S. Lewis defined friendship this way. He said, uh, friendship is born at the moment when someone says to another, what, you too? I thought that no one but myself, and then dot, 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 fill in the blank. He's saying friendship in our culture is a lot about having something in common with someone that identifies us with them and not with everyone else. Friends have a shared interest, you know, whether it's uh, watching rugby, um, or eating chocolate cake, whatever it might be. That, that's what friendship grows in. Well, we distinguish in our culture, don't we, between friends and everyone else, uh, acquaintances. The fascinating thing about the Bible is, and Proverbs especially, it doesn't really do that. Proverbs counsels us in, as we saw our memory verse, what was it again earlier? He who walks with the wise grows wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 13, 20. Um, it counsels us to be wise in who we make close companions, people that we walk with. We'd call them close friends. And that's wisdom in Proverbs. That's a big theme in Proverbs. Proverbs says, you know, be, be wise about who you marry. They'll be a close companion to walk with. Or who you go into business partnership with. Be wise. Don't do those things with fools or with wicked people. Two of the negative categories in Proverbs. Be wise about who you walk with. But in Proverbs, here it gets really interesting, the word for friend in English, translated friend in places, we saw that just now, is actually the same word in the original language as the word translated neighbor. No such thing as friends and everyone else. Everyone's my neighbor. Everyone's my friend. Even my enemy in the Bible is my friend. Isn't that fascinating and challenging? So by using one word for both these English words, Proverbs is telling us that we shouldn't draw a line between friends and everyone else. Yes, be wise about your close friendships, who you walk with, but everyone's your friend, everyone's your neighbor in Christ. I am called to love my neighbor 
as a friend, even if they love rap music, and I love rock music, or they are loud, and I am quiet, or they speak Swahili or Farsi, and I speak English. They're my neighbor, they're therefore my friend. So be close to some, says Proverbs, but be loving, or we'd call it friendly, to all. To love a person is to be their friend. To show love to any person is to be a friend to that person. So that's what we're talking about tonight, being a friend. And the interesting thing for Proverbs is this question. What's a faithful or a godly friend look like? How does Proverbs help us to describe a, what we call a good friend? And there are three things we're going to see. The middle one's going to be quite brief because the first and the third are the really big ones in Proverbs, and I'm going to say actually in the whole Bible. Here's the first thing that a godly friend is. A godly friend is constant. It's a slightly old-fashioned word. It's about being faithful, being reliable, trustworthy, constant. So 18.24, again, I'm going to put a lot of these verses on the screen because I'm conscious that you're not going to want to probably flick around too much. Um, and we'll pick up some of the verses in our readings just now, but others too. So 18.24, a man of many friends may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks, a sticky friend who sticks closer than a brother. We've all let someone down. We've maybe not been a good, good enough friend to them. Um, we've promised that we would text them and we never did, or we'd pray for them and we never did. And Proverbs says a friend doesn't do that. A friend is faithful. A friend is trustworthy. A friend's word is reliable. A friend is sticky, uh, more sticky even than a brother, than a close family member. Uh, so uh, another example in the Bible, Ruth. Go and read her story if you want to later. Ruth stuck. The word is the same as, as it speaks of Ruth. Ruth, who was the uh, daughter-in-law of Naomi, who was Jewish, clung to her widowed mother, mother-in-law, and went with Naomi to Israel when it would have been much easier to have left her and gone back to her homeland in Moab. She clung, she stuck. She was a good, godly friend to Naomi. And then verse 17 of chapter 17, a friend loves at all times all times. That's a faithful bit, isn't it? And a brother is born for adversity. A friend sticks when it's tough. A friend sticks when you go through a hard time. A friend picks up the phone to you when they know you've had bad news. A friend loves at all times. In fact, in Proverbs, how we speak is one of the ways that we show that we're faithful, that we're trustworthy. Our words are true trustworthy. So a godly friend is faithful, especially in what he or she says. So if I say I'll come to your party, I will be there. If I say that I will lend you your train fare, I will do so. That's a godly friend, a faithful, constant friend. And again, I've put a couple of verses there that illustrate that. Constant lips, faithful lips, trustworthy lips. In other words, words you can trust, they're the sign of a godly 
faithful friend. Of course, such a friend is quite hard to find. These things are rare. Chapter 20, verse 6, the bottom reference there, says, many proclaim their love. Lots of people say they'll be your friend. But a faithful friend, that's our word, a constant friend is hard to find. How true that is. When the chips are down, Proverbs is saying, you want to have not lots of fair-weather friends, but just a few constant friends. Your friends need you to be, in hard times, a constant friend, not just one that said you'd be there for them. What wise advice that is for us, isn't it, in our, in our kind of disconnected social media world where 300 Facebook friends may just not be, for, be there for you when you get that phone call with bad news. A faithful friend is hard to find. Choose a friend, Solomon's saying, not for their charisma, but for their constancy, that they'll stick with you. Be a friend to those around you who will be faithful, whose words can be trusted. Graham was a friend of uh, mine like that for many years till he went to glory prematurely early, uh, went to be with Christ. We'd, um, we'd meet up regularly and he would always be there for me. He would always know, I could know he was, if he said he'd pray for me, he would pray. When we went through hard times, he stuck to me. Some of the things that we went through weren't easy, but I knew that he's a constant friend. He had my back. That's the kind of friend you and I need to find and to be. And how challenging this is, isn't it? This constant theme. How faithful am I in my friendship? How do I often let other people down? How hard I find it to be absolutely trustworthy in what I say and in how I act towards people that I call my friends, towards those that are my neighbors, therefore, to whom I'm called to be a friend. Who's equal, we start thinking, don't we? Who's equal to this task? Who could be a friend like that? It's impossible. Who could always be honest, always be there, always be faithful? Second theme, a second mark of a godly friend, and I say we'll spend less time on this one, constant, secondly, candid. Candid. Again, this is a slightly old-fashioned word nowadays, but candid camera, it's about someone tells you the truth about you, candid. So chapter 27, 5 and 6 says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Very struck, which we kind of read this this morning, when uh, Judas betrays Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says to Judas, as his betrayer comes to him, he says, friend, do what you must. He calls Judas a friend, even at that point of betrayal. We all love people, don't we, who just say what we want to hear, who will flatter us, who will say that that outburst we made at the boss was entirely justified, when perhaps it wasn't entirely the right thing to do. Uh, they'll say that we, we look really good in those purple jeans. They fit us amazingly. Actually, they perhaps are just a tad a bit too skinny for us. 
And where I am being foolish or unfaithful to Christ, what I need, says Proverbs, is a friend that will tell me that. They won't beat around the bush. They won't flower it with wonderful language about how good I am. They will be honest. They will wound me, and that may hurt me, at least briefly, but it's for my good. That is better than an enemy multiplying kisses, says Proverbs. They speak to refine me and not to flatter me. That's a good friend, isn't it? Someone that speaks out of love for you, not simply what you want to hear. Someone that makes you know that you're loved, even though they don't simply speak to make you feel loved. Being loved matters more than feeling loved, doesn't it? So, a great verse again, a good memory verse for Rob for another day, 27.17, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. They refine instead of just flattering. Now, you and I, if we're human beings, myself especially, we do have blunt corners, don't we? We have bits of us that do need some refining. And that comes from our, uh, our upbringing, our parenting, our family background, our ex- life experiences, and from the sin in our hearts. We need refining. We need honesty about our sinfulness and our weakness. And, and so we need friendship. I guess you, you might say, well, biologically, you don't need a friend. Um, you can manage with, with water, oxygen, food. Biologically, you're fine without a friend. Financially, you and I don't need a friend. We can probably manage very well if we've got a good job um, to pay the bills without having any friends. But, but Proverbs is saying, spiritually, you do need friends. You need iron to sharpen your iron. You need someone to wound you when you need to be wounded for your blessing and healing. You cannot become wise without a candid friend who will lovingly speak truth into your life. Have you got a friend like that? You need one. I do. We all do. It will mean friction, rubbing up against each other with those candid words, but it's for our growth. Again, I'm very grateful for someone called Mike, another friend of mine, um, who also went to glory early, so don't, you know, don't get too close to me. It's probably the lesson of this one, isn't it? I'll let you be warned. But, but he was very good at telling me that, you know, for instance, um, you know, praying about what sort of role I should move on to in the future, um, this was a few years ago now, telling me that I really wasn't suited for something I was looking at at the time. And a bit of that kind of hurt, hurts your pride, doesn't say, well, actually, that's not your thing. But it was honest and it was true, and it really helped and guided us. Candid friend. I wonder how ready you are to have a candid friend, someone like that, because you and I need them, who will wound you because they love you, who will, instead of just give you kisses and flattery, will speak truth. Would you rather that a friend of yours or a pastor in your church challenged you in a godly way in Christ's name or just said what you wanted to hear? Let's give thanks for God's wisdom there, that a friend that's godly to us will be, yes, constant, but also candid. Thirdly, uh, this is the other really huge theme tonight around friends, a godly friend, constant, candid, and kind. Kind, or again, Bible words, loving, merciful. Here the focus shifts, I guess, again, very much away from 
how to be wise in choosing friends to how to be a godly friend myself. Think of your relationships, the people at uni, the people in the CU, the people at school, the people at work tomorrow, your family maybe. A good friend, says Proverbs, is kind to them all. So 14, verse 21. He who despises his neighbor or friend sins, but blessed is he who's kind to the needy. Chapter 3, verse 28 says, Don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow, and I'll give it to you, when you already have it with you. It's about generosity, isn't it? If you have it, give it to them. If you can bless them, be kind. So godly friend, Proverbs says, will lend their car to that single parent who needs the car to get their kids to school. A godly parent will spend Saturday morning having a cup of coffee, listening to that lonely, slightly disheveled bloke who sits at the back at church on Sunday that no one else will talk to. A godly friend is a kind friend. They will bring chocolate when you've had a bad week. They will even treat their enemy with love. That's where, from our reading, that pair of verses in chapter 25, 21 and 22 come in. That, that thing, did you remember that, what, what it said in those verses? Just read it to you again. If you've got it open, have a look at it. 25, 21. 25, verse 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. This is not your friend, now this is your enemy. Give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And you think, well, I get the sense of, of uh, being kind to those even that are my enemies, but what's this thing about burning coals? Isn't that a bit cruel? Well, Paul actually explains this in Romans chapter 12. If you're taking notes, 12, 20 and 21. Romans 12, 20 and 21. He shows that burning coals symbolizes the shame someone feels when they've acted badly towards me and instead of being bitter or taking vengeance, I show them love instead. I forgive them. And the sense seems to be that he's saying that the, the shame of your love for them following their hatred for you may lead them to repentance, to turning to Christ. It's for their blessing. So a godly friend is, is forgiving. He's also considerate. Again, we saw one or two of these verses read just now, uh, 27, 14, and 25, 17. Uh, and 25, 17 says, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Isn't that great wisdom? A godly friend is careful with, with how much time they spend with others because there becomes a limit, doesn't it, to any neighbor. Friends need time apart as well as time together. And again we come to speech. A godly friend, chapter 11, verse 12, will be kind with their words. Whoever derides their neighbor, that verse says, eleven twelve, has no sense but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. See what he's saying there? You may be tempted to speak harshly of someone else. Uh, again, someone else on the course at uni, someone else at work this week that really annoys you. But a godly friend, neighbor, is kind. 
you hold your tongue, you don't deride other people to a third party. You don't gossip. 2019 is about gossip. A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. If that's anyone here, by any chance, but a gossip betrays a confidence. Avoid anyone who talks too much. Now we're seeing, aren't we, in politics how true this is about speech, that the tongue has huge power to destroy, to pull down, instead of building up. And Proverbs says, no, a godly tongue only speaks in love, to encourage, to build up. When I was a student, I was taught these three questions to ask. If I'm tempted to speak harshly of someone else, three questions to ask before I say anything. Engage brain, engage heart. And the questions are these. Is it true, what I'm about to say? Is it true? Is it kind? And is it helpful? Or will it build people up in love? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it helpful? That's just Proverbs wisdom, isn't it? Be kind in your actions and your speech. How are you doing with kindness or, or loving other people? Love your neighbor as yourself, says the Bible. How are you and I doing with that? So challenging, isn't it? So challenging. How convicting Proverbs is about how my actions are so often selfish instead of kind and loving. How my speech is so often pulling people down instead of encouraging and building up. Thoughtless and not considerate. How challenging this is as we think tonight about, but how do I find a godly friend and who is a godly friend? How can I be a godly friend to others? The writer Dostoevsky said this about this challenge to be loving towards other people around me. In my dreams, he says, I am very often passionately determined to serve humanity. Yet I am quite incapable of living with anyone in one room for two days at a time. That's very honest, isn't it? How hard I find it to be kind and loving to anyone for more than a few minutes or hours. He's being very honest about what we all know, don't we? That we're called to love, but so often hatred comes out instead, doesn't it? We're called to forgive, but bitterness takes root in our hearts. We're called to show friendship, but instead I turn you into an enemy. To be constant and faithful, but instead I let someone down. To be candid, but I find myself saying what I know you want me to say instead. To be kind, but I find it so hard to give and to forgive. How can anyone be a faithful friend? How can anyone find a faithful friend? That's the question, isn't it, with Proverbs? One last little twist here about these two words that have really featured tonight, about being constant and about being kind. And that's this. In chapter 16, verse 6, these two words come up actually in the same place. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Now, those words there, love, is the same word we've used tonight for kindness. Faithfulness is the same word we've used for being constant, constancy, faithfulness, trustworthiness. Does that make sense? So just playing with English words here. Same in the original languages. Through love and faithfulness. Now, if you're a Bible reader, you'll know those two words, I think, because those are the two words that perhaps most often are used of God in the Bible. He shows himself to Moses in the book of Exodus as the God who is slow to anger 
and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Exactly the two things God calls us to be as friends are exactly the two things that define the very heart of God's character. Love, faithfulness, kindness, constancy. That's him. And of course, that points us on to the next little link here that as, sorry, I should say 18, verse 24 there, 18, 24, we started with that verse, that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I cannot do that, humanly speaking. I'm a sinner. Nor can you, dare I say. But there is a friend. We're now seeing him, aren't we, if we're reading the Bible ourselves. His name is Jesus. Jesus, God's son, has come full of love and faithfulness or grace and truth, actually, as John puts it in his gospel. He's come full of constancy and kindness. His word can be trusted. His diagnosis of my sin, his candor with me, is true, and his kindness, his mercy, is unlimited. Do you want to know a godly friend? Well, please, please, please tonight, look at Christ. He is absolutely constant, never failing, absolutely kind, never exhausting his love, constant in his promises, candid in revealing my sin, kind in giving his life to atone for it, abounding in love and faithfulness. He is the friend that you and I need, that you and I perhaps haven't found yet, the friend that you and I fail to be all at the same time. And in Christ, and only in Christ, I would add, you and I can begin to be the friends we're called to be as his friendship lives in me. And Rob actually started with this verse at the beginning, but Jesus' great act of love and faithfulness is his death for us on the cross. I used to think that talking about Jesus as my friend was a a kind of a, a way that children think of God. God is my friend, and it's great that children can do that, isn't it, actually? It's a concept we can all relate to. But actually, it's right here as we've seen in the Bible. In John chapter 15, Jesus says this, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He calls us his friends as we come to him to receive his kindness and his faithfulness. And as by his grace and his spirit in our hearts, Following him, we begin to show the same things. We love one another because he first loved us. So through love and faithfulness, he gives his own life to turn us, his enemies, into his friends. When it was our sin, not his, that he was atoning for as he died on the cross. He promises his companionship with us always. He feels all that we feel. He doesn't turn a blind eye to our sin, but pays the price for it. He gives us a way through temptation. He comforts us with his spirit when we're troubled, his rod and staff in the shadow of death. What a moment this might be tonight for someone here to accept him as your friend for the very first time, the friend that you and I so desperately need that we cannot be ourselves, that we cannot find anywhere else. He's that friend. And if you're a follower, a friend of Jesus, or if he is your friend, 
already tonight. What a privilege for us. Uh, as uh, the, the Bible preacher Charles Bridges put it, what a privilege to make Christ, this is the call tonight, isn't it? To make Christ your first choice in youth, the younger ones here, your faithful companion in maturing age, that's others of us here, and your chosen friend in eternity. Let's pray. I'm going to pray a short prayer now, which uh, written by a Christian teacher from nearly a thousand years ago. It's a prayer both thanking Jesus for being our friend, but also asking his help to grow more like him in our own love and faithfulness towards others. Thanks be to you, my Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits you've won for me on the cross, for all the pains and insults you have borne for me in your life and death. O most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may I know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly, day by day. Amen.